It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Now, two weeks ago, we had Compassion Sunday. Some of you were here, some of you weren't here. That's okay, let me catch you up. I mentioned last week that Compassion had sent through just you know, huge thanks to us. Um, and uh, they indicated that the, some more kiddos had been sponsored. Um, Curious Kathy, a.k.a. Louie, asked me during the week, how many exactly? And I'm like, I don't know. Well, Compassion actually did send through numbers this week. So there was... Uh, so this is in addition to our partnership with Compassion with our Elevate Global. So we partner with Compassion into the Philippines, investing in a place called Masbari in the Philippines um, with their Mums and Babies program. So that's a lot of, that they're working with the prenatal, postnatal, right through the age of five, mums and the families and, and the bubs to the age of five, with, which, um, you know, in a, in a time where child mortality is still seeing approximately 17,000 uh, children aged zero to five die every day on our planet. So there's a huge, huge, huge need uh, for this. So we partner with Compassion for that. Our child sponsorship, it, it picks up from there because when a, when a child um, you know, uh, turns six and they start school, they're no longer a part of that mums and babies program. So we also offer uh, individuals and households the opportunity to, to sponsor kiddos. So there was four more kiddos sponsored two weeks ago, and now our Elevate people collectively, according to Compassion, uh, uh, we are collectively sponsoring 47 kiddos in that um, area as well. Hold your applause, because actually the number is higher than that, because I know some of you, and we also have uh, some kiddos that, that we um, sponsor and, and had started sponsoring before Compassion kind of started uh, tracking us collectively. So I don't know what the exact number is. It's at least 47, but it's, uh, it's presumably a lot higher than that. So, hey, I think that's worth celebrating, yeah? Brilliant. And that's allowing families and kids to get education and medical assistance and nutrition and financial uh, coaching and, of course, the most important thing, becoming uh, followers of Jesus through the local church input as well. So that's brilliant. Love that. Plenty more opportunity ahead, and we're going to keep allowing God to use us to do that and much, 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 much more. All right. Confession time. Now, this is you confessing, not me. Just before you're like, oh, this sounds exciting. How many of you struggle with waiting? Anybody? Struggle with waiting? Yeah, okay. Traffic lights? Yep, traffic lights. Government agencies? Um, airport security checkpoint? Uh, baggage retrieval, which by the way, currently there's a lot of uh, talk globally that you might be waiting several weeks for your suitcase to arrive where you've landed. Uh, I literally last week heard a story from a guy, a Perth guy, who wheels his shopping trolley around the supermarket, comes into the checkout area. If there is not a checkout with one or less people in the line, like one's his threshold, he literally abandons his shopping trolley and comes back the next day and, and starts from scratch. This is a man who has difficulty waiting. 
the reality is that waiting is inescapable, right? You know, we might wait to find out if we've passed the exam. We might be waiting to find out the results of the medical test. We might be waiting for God to fulfill a promise that He's spoken into our lives. The reality is that waiting is inescapable. The pro move for us is to learn how to wait well. We don't avoid the waiting, but we can learn how to wait well. And that can be the difference maker into our future. I'm going to come back to that. We launched this series last week called King of Hearts. And it is really looking and learning life lessons from the the life and leadership of a guy named David. He entered history as a shepherd boy and he left the pages of history as the second king of Israel. A lot of things to learn from him, good, bad and ugly. He was, however, described as a person after God's own heart. And I'm like, man, what an aspirational goal for us as Jesus followers, that we would wanna leave this earth having been described as a person after God's own heart. So last week, we talked about the heart that God favours. This idea that we live in a culture that's very much about the externals, and yet God recognises that life is lived inside out. And so the heart matters. And prioritising the heart, and allowing God to develop our heart matters. The king at the time was a guy named Saul, the first king of Israel. He stopped listening to God in his journey and things came unhinged. And God removed his hand of blessing from Saul and then ultimately went looking for a successor and appointed a shepherd boy named David. Now, if you missed that last week, go to our podcast, Elevate Church Perth on all the podcast platforms. It's just, it's so critical for this series to really take a deep hold in in our lives and hearts is to get, because we're taking a bit of a chronological look at David's life. So this week makes sense very much in light of what we talked last week. But I want to pick up on something that I did highlight last week. And that is this idea that, 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 that God had taken His hand of blessing off Saul and was looking for a successor. And there's a guy, a prophet, a spokesperson, if you like, for God, a guy named Samuel. When he got the vibe that God had removed His hand of blessing from Saul, it really troubled him. Because he knew that if God wasn't blessing the king, that that was going to have a downstream impact on the entire nation. Okay. And God said, yeah, cool, Samuel, I've got this. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to use you in this. I'm going to, I want you to go to a guy named Jesse's house. And Jesse's got a fleet of sons, at least eight. And one of them is going to be the next king. So I want you to go there. And when you get there, you'll, you'll, I'll use you to identify which one and to actually pray for them and, and anoint them as the next king of Israel. Turns out that uh, God ended up picking the least likely looking one of the fleet of sons, which is, you know, encouraging. <laughs> and when David, who was this guy, kid in his mid to late teens, he'd been, he didn't even get to like make the, the, the initial draft lottery picks. Uh, it was like, we didn't even invite him because he was so unlikely. But God said, no, this is the one. And, uh, and Saul, I mean, Samuel did what God instructed him to do, which was to pray for him and, and pour oil over his head, which was a sign of anointing and saying that you're now anointed as the next king of Israel. But here's the important thing to understand. At that moment in David's life, he was anointed 
but he wasn't yet appointed. Okay? And this period in the middle, <laughs> this is the gap. This is the waiting room. And this is the part where a lot of people struggle. This is the part where you and I may be tempted to scream the most screamed thing in history, screamed by nearly every child that has ever walked the planet, you're taking too long. And God's like, listen, in the back seat, keep it down. David had been anointed, not yet appointed. He was in this gap and he did this curious thing is he just went back to his Clark Kent job of looking after the sheep. He, he, he just, he, he did what he, he couldn't force himself to become the king in that moment. So he did what he knew to do. He faithfully went back to doing what he'd been doing. Anointed, but not yet appointed. He learned to wait well and I'm going to come back to that, but let me just encourage you. And this is why when your kids scream this, you're taking too long. The reason it bothers you is because you're not doing nothing, hopefully. And the encouragement is that God's always working while we're waiting. Waiting doesn't have to be passive, neither from God nor from us. I'll come back to that. Now, while David was waiting, Saul's internal world was falling apart internal world, the stuff that really matters. And it started to be described about Saul that he was being characterized by anxiety and depression and paranoia. Now in that culture, it was considered that music could be used for therapy, especially worship music. And so one of Saul's advisors who had been observing the king, you know, their internal world unraveling more and more, suggested that they get a musician in to come and play worship music to the king as a form of, of therapy. And, and Saul, knowing that that, you know, like, you know, can't do any harm, uh, he greenlit the idea. And then this kind of random thing happened. One of Saul's kind of just people in the court uh, steps forward and goes, actually, I know a guy. Well, more eloquently, he said, I know someone. I've seen him myself, the son of Jesse of Bethlehem, an excellent musician. He's also courageous, of age, well-spoken, and good-looking. They could just about be describing me in this moment. And God, let me put up, put up the screen there. Let's just hit this, hit this one. Let me, let me go at this again. This is how he's been described, an excellent musician. Okay, I didn't qualify in that, fair enough. Uh, he's also courageous of age, well-spoken and good-looking, and here's the most important qualification. But it get, gets its own sentence. And God is with him. Now, they're talking about David, who has already been anointed as the king, next king of Israel. But guess what? These guys didn't know that. They were just... This, this servant stepped forward and goes, I know a guy. He's basically referring to this kind of nobody. This kid who's just been living in obscurity, looking after sheep, monotony, same sheep, different day, if you know what I'm saying, and waiting well. And one of the things that characterized David's waiting well is he was worshiping 
while he was waiting. He's described as a person after God's own heart. A person after God's own heart doesn't have to uh, uh, be in the temple to worship. Doesn't limit worship to 20 minutes on a Sunday. They're worshiping just out of this seeking God and wanting to express their love for God and their gratitude to God and their adoration of God. And this was David. Ultimately, he wrote half of, well, at least that we've got still record of, half of the the Psalms that are in the Old Testament. They are known, the Psalms are known as the Songbook of Israel. David wrote half of them, at least. And, and, and he did that while he was out in obscurity with the sheep. And suddenly, suddenly he was being summoned into the inner courtyard of the king. Now, now I'm gonna, this week I, I listened to uh, Mark Varughese, who leads a fleet of churches here in Perth, preaching at the Hillsong Conference, which happened this week. Uh, great message, and he said this, so I'm going to quote it, and it's his quote, So because it sounds way smarter than anything I could come up with. Uh, he said, God's not necessarily a God of the immediately, <laughs> but he is a God of the suddenly. I mean, come on, we'd love him to be a God of the immediately, but that's, that's a vending machine. That's not the king of the universe. Those are different things. But he is a God of the suddenly. And what we've been doing in the gap, what we've been doing in the waiting, will determine whether we're prepared and equipped and ready for the suddenly. Waiting isn't passive, not for God, and it ought not to be for us. David didn't do nothing in the gap. He worshipped. He, he, he practiced his uh, musicality and he became known as a great musician by this servant who recommended him for the job. He's the only candidate in the end. He's not just the first round draft pick. He was the only one. Bring him in. Bring him in. David's private worship had prepared him for public influence. But he wasn't being brought in to become the king. He was just brought in to play music for the king. Understand this. He's still in the waiting. I did some dog sitting this week. Uh, Louisa and her sister and our nephew uh, were going to the museum, or as our seven-year-old nephew calls it, the museum. Um, and uh, our nephew's doggo, here he is, little Chasey, uh, needed somebody to dog sit him. And Uncle Mark was given the gig. They didn't even ask me, but that's okay, because me and Chase, we're tight. We're best buds. So I work from home. They bring Chasey over. Chasey's happy to see me. It's great. We're hanging out. We're doing this. A couple of hours into my dog sitting duties and little Chasey starts sniffing around the treats bag. And I'm thinking, okay, he's obviously hungry. So Uncle Mark gets out the first little treats, this little kind of dried sweet potato chewy thing. Put that out. Chase sniffs it. That's it. I'm like, okay, okay, maybe he wants something else. So I get out the little chewy, chew, chew, chew thing. I don't want to put that down. Sniffs it. Looks at me like, no. Okay. And then I remembered I had some uh, barbecued lamb and rosemary sausages that I'd barbecued the night before. Chasey's proven in the past. He loves Uncle Mark's barbecued sausages. So I get out a sausage. I break them up into little chase-sized pieces. I put them down in his little doggo bowl. He sniffs. He put one in his mouth. I'm thinking, crack the code. Yes. Spat it out. Looks at me. I'm like, oh my God. 
you're killing me, dog. Then I got his little puppy kibble. I put that in there. He looks at it, sniffs it, looks at me. Then he just wanders off, gets on the couch, goes back to doing nothing. That's his job description. Two in the afternoon, nothing. And I'm thinking, well, that was weird. Now, I'm not a dog whisperer by any stretch of the imagination, but here's what I concluded. I concluded that Chase had been left home alone with Uncle Mark. Not entirely an unproven quantity, but, you know, I'm not his everyday caregiver. He was sniffing around the treats bag, not because he was hungry, but he wanted to make sure that when the time came that he needed food, that I could be relied on. And he wasn't going to wait. He wanted some evidence up front. And I delivered. And he was happy. And two hours later, he vacuumed up every single one of Uncle Mark's treats. David, in his waiting, learned to rely on God. And in stark contrast, Saul, who God had been with, had stopped relying on him. It started doing things in his own strength. Had started relying on his own smarts and knowledge. And yeah, things didn't go well. In fact, Samuel records it this way. The Spirit of God left Saul. Well, that's not good. And in place, a black mood, which by the way, that phrase black mood in other translations is described as depression and fear, sent by God, settled on him. And he was terrified. Now, if you, let's just be honest for a second here, shall we? If you've kind of hovered around church life, or if you choose to hover around church life, maybe not here, but just sort of generally speaking, for any length of time, you will probably come across somebody for whom everything is a demon. Everything is spiritual. You sneeze and they say, spirit of the flu, come out in Jesus' name. And you're like, no, no, just walk past the rose bush and a bit of allergies and I'm good. Take my little hay fever pills. In, you know, not all depression and anxiety and fear is a spiritual issue. Some of it's depression, anxiety and fear. And it, 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 the, the pro move is to get some professional help. Uh, yes, Pray. And yes, encourage other people and ask other people to pray for you. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like, but, but this was not that. This was literally either something that God allowed or God caused. Either way, this was very much in Saul's life a spiritual matter. And we can read this, this particularly this first bit, the Spirit of God left Saul and potentially be terrified by that. Like, what if that happened to me? Like, am I, could, could I, and I, no. When you commit to placing your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you confess and acknowledge that he's the Son of God and that you want him to be your personal Lord, uh, he promises to send his Holy Spirit to actually take up residence in us. And, 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 and that's not something that he will then take back. Uh, so that's reassuring, right? Good. Okay, great. Three people reassured. Great. All right. Having said that, we can ignore the Holy Spirit 
residing in us. We can downplay the power of God's Holy Spirit. So we can still do things in our own strength, even though the Holy Spirit's screaming out, Hello, I'm still here. And so Paul, one of the leaders of the early church, he actually offers some instruction for how to avoid that how to avoid limiting God's Holy Spirit. In fact, quite the opposite, how to actually allow God's Holy Spirit to do great work for us, in us, and through us. Now, I did this last week. I'm going to do it again this week. It's a new thing. This is the point where I would say, open your Bible or your Bible app. I put this up last week and some, some nerds went, literally, I heard a groan. And I figured out during the week, I thought they were like, oh, this is like the COVID QR code thing. No, they thought that I was so smart that I geeked out and I'd put this up there and the verse of the day, I go open your Bible and all you have to do is scan. How many thought that? Yeah, see, look, it wasn't that. But, but for the record, I could do that. I'm that smart. But that's not what this is. What this is, is that the Bible app, the great creators and providers of the Bible app, uh, have added a new feature where you can add your church as your church. It's a new feature. So all you need to do to do that, to identify Elevate Church as your church, is right now open your phone, camera, point it at that. It'll take you to the app. Elevate Church, bada bing, bada bang. What this feature initially, a couple of features allows us to do is interact with each other. You know, someone reads a verse, you go... Great job, keep going. Or you go, oh man, that, I'm, glad, I'm glad that, wow. You see what someone else has read and you think, and that jumps off the page at you. And the second thing is it allows us to put a featured plan in. So throughout this series, each week, each Monday, so tomorrow, we're going to put a featured plan in from David. So there's already one in from last week. It's a five-day plan. I've done four. I'm going to uh, crack the fifth one today. Uh, then tomorrow we'll put in a new featured plan and you've got ready access to that within the app. So there you go. It's free. I'm not selling anything, even though I think it would be worth it if we did. Now, manually open your Bible to, or app, Ephesians chapter 5. So this is Paul, one of the leaders of the early church, writing to the church in Ephesus, which is a port city, no longer exists, in what we call Turkey now. Uh, and this is what he, one of the things he wrote to them as a form of instruction. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, here's something on the don't list and then there's a why. And then there's the big double click on the, the do list. Don't do that. Instead, do this. Here's the thing. And by the way, this idea of drunk with wine, first of all, it doesn't say don't drink, have a glass or two. That's first thing. Secondly, it doesn't just apply to, to wine. Anything that you allow to be a controlling influence in your life will ultimately ruin your life. It's actually God and His Holy Spirit that's best case scenario for being in control. So as much as he was talking about wine, because that was a very prevalent thing in the day, it's not just that. Um, okay, but here's the thing. Here's what happens when you are under the influence of alcohol. First of all, bad karaoke. Yep, it's true. Bad karaoke. No, come on, it's true. Second thing, uh, anyone been to a wedding reception when Uncle Fred gets up after a few too many? 
moves like Jagger, or probably in Uncle Fred's case, moves very much not like Jagger. Uh, Scotty Downey, who DJs at many wedding receptions, you've seen a few moves not like Jagger, uh, fueled by bottomless wine at the reception, yeah? And this is the one that Paul clicks on, is, is bad choices. Like, this is really the one. This is, this, is, this is the thing. And I said this last week, I'm gonna come back to it because it's so important to understand. When, like, God's got a don't do list. And it's not because he's a wet blanket and he wants to just be Debbie Downer and tell us all the things that we can't do and shouldn't do. It's, it, he, he wants to protect us because he understands that the things that he tells us not to do, if we do them, ignore his instruction and do them, they will ruin our lives. They will lead to consequences for us and or the people in our sphere. This is why the great prophet Avril Lavigne asked the question, why you gotta go and make things so complicated, right? That's the point. You did that and now you're living with this. What were you thinking? And you say, I wasn't thinking. And we go, we know. But God's like, He's got stuff upstream that he's like, that's just a bad idea. It's gonna to lead to bad choices. It's gonna ruin your life. And then Paul draws this contrast. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is not a one-off deal. I mean, it starts at the day that we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But here's the thing. As we give out, we leak. <laughs> As we don't read God's word and, and, and input his truth, we leak. As we don't commune with God throughout the day, we leak. And so we've got to actually be, this, if you've studied English at school, you would know this, when, when Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's actually written in what's called continuous present tense. Meaning every single day, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, but I got filled yesterday. Yep, and you got Busy, and now we're going to have to fill again. Keep being filled. And, and Paul points to what happens elsewhere if and when we're filled with God's Holy Spirit. What a wish list this is. And, and by the way, let's just, let's just own this. You look at the, 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 these are called the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, what, what produces having started with the Spirit at work in us. Uh, can I just say what some of you are thinking? That list, you've got someone in mind that that would be your wish list for them, right? I mean, come on. Oh, I wish my spouse had those things. Come on, right? Or just, you know, or your kids or your parents or your boss or your colleague. I mean, come on, right? Because it's a great list, really. If you lived and worked and operated and the people in your sphere that this was the stuff that was overflowing, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, how much less complicated would your world be? How much greater would you all be? But here's the reality. You don't have the control over them. That's God's job. It's not our job to change people. It's our job to love people. It's our job to encourage people. It's our job to invest in people. It's our job to, to say, hey, listen, 
Have you been filled today with God's Spirit because He wants to do stuff in you? In fact, it's also kind of our job to model this. Like as people who are allowing God's Spirit to transform us and we're growing in these attributes, you will find people in your sphere that look and say, I'll have what he's having. I'll have what she's having. And I'll ask you, what in, how would, peace in the midst of a storm, joy when there's trouble, love with your enemies. And they're like, you are so weird, but in a good way. How do you do it? And you get to say, well, listen, it's not kind of just me. It's God working in me and through me. And they're like, intriguing. There you go. All right. So here's what Paul says. In his instruction, he gives two very key pieces of instruction. Number one, sing spiritual songs. This was part of David's playbook. Sing spiritual songs. We start every live experience. First of all, we start at 10 o'clock. I know some of you aren't aware of that. Secondly, we start with worship. And the reason we start with worship is because worship changes the atmosphere. Worship focuses our hearts. Worship uh, brings alignment for what God wants to do. So we start, we start with worship. And I'm like, no kidding. I'm, look, I'm not looking at anybody when I say this in particular, but it's a head scratcher to me why anybody turns up late because it's like, this is, this is like a one time a week opportunity where we get to come together and say, God, do something in my heart and my life and my church and it's unique and we do that every single Sunday. And look, I get it. Some of you are wired a bit more that way. So you're here at 9.59 and you're like, come on. And others of you, even if you accidentally show up on time, you're like, well, it's only 20 minutes. So all right, let's get this over with. And we've kind of brought this, oh, we, I'm talking in general terms, like some sort of scoring metric to worship. <laughs> oh, I like this song. Oh, I don't like this song. Oh, the music team were good today. or the music team were just pretty ordinary today. And I'm like, you know, and we have conversations in the car on the way home. What did you think of song number three? Oh, I don't really like song number three. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> do you understand that while you're scoring the song list, and the music team, God may actually be scoring you. <laughs> and that's the thing I'd be the most focused on. How did I worship today? Not am I pleased with the worship. Is God pleased with the worship? Because we ain't worshipping you. Ah, <sighs> Just saying. And, and we don't have to limit. We also don't have to limit our worship to 20 minutes on a Sunday. In fact, there are tools these days that are on the lowest shelf that they've ever been on, the most accessible they've ever been. We, in case you missed it, have a playlist on Spotify. I use it. I'm going to come back to that in a second. You can have a free, those of you that are frugal, like me, you can have a free Spotify account. I have a free Spotify account. Spotify have never taken one cent of our money to access our playlist. Every two weeks, we update this with new, fresh music. This is available. You can worship with music while you're doing the dishes, while you're on the treadmill, 
while you're mowing the lawn, while you're whatever it is, commuting. I'll come back to that. This is available. So, and it's free. So like, oh, gee, first of all, you're giving away the Bible app. Now you're giving away a playlist on Spotify. What's wrong with you people? This is a terrible business model. Yeah, I know. Sing spiritual th- songs and then Paul says to give thanks. And this was, this was David. One of the things that characterized many of his psalms was him simply giving thanks to God. Thanks to God for who he is. Thanks to God for what he's done. Thanks to God for what he's doing. Thanks to God for what he hopes and anticipates God will do in the future. This idea of giving thanks. Now, music team, how about you roll on up here? Uh, David's psalms were an outcome of him waiting well, singing spiritual songs and giving thanks. And this is what Samuel went on to write. Um, Michael, you're going to have to. Saul sent word back to Jesse. So, so David's come in. He's passed the audition. <laughs> Thank you. David will stay here. He's just the one I was looking for. I'm very impressed by him. And after that, whenever the bad depression from God tormented Saul, David got out his harp and played. And that would calm Saul down and he would feel better and his moodiness, as the moodiness, lifted. Now, I'm a pretty upbeat guy. Most days, most minutes, most hours a day, I'm pretty upbeat. See me, talk to me, I'm pretty upbeat. However, not always. Some days, I'm just not feeling it. Sometimes during the day, I'm just not feeling it. And here's what I do. Every single time, every single time that I'm feeling a bit blah, every single time, I mean, literally, not most of the time, every single time, I will put on our Spotify playlist and I'll either have it on in the background, thanks Siri, I'll have it on my, in my earbuds. What, what, where, point is, I'll have it going into me. And, and I will tell you, that 100% of the time, my moodiness lifts. 100% of the time. And by the way, I know some of you do that already. You've told me. And I say, brilliant. If you don't, I'm just, it's the simplest thing. You don't even have to sing along. I mean, God help the neighbours if I start singing along. It's not good. They will complain to the council. We will be evicted for bad singing. But I allowed the worship, the atmosphere to change my heart, to change who I am. You don't even have to wait till you're feeling a bit blur to, to do that. In fact, Louis, who's even more upbeat than me, uh, she listens to our playlist on the way to work, works in a government school uh, in a job that's very, very challenging. And she w- listens in her commute to worship music to allow her heart to be prepared that when she steps on campus, from the minute she steps on campus that day, her heart is ready to be used by God. So now I could send you away with some homework and and I have, please encourage you to do that. But I also wanna road test. And some of you have never been here before 1020. So this has been the first time you've ever worshiped live in Elevate Church. I've been coming to Elevate for seven years. I didn't know that they sung songs. Yeah, we start at 10. Uh, How about we stand? And we're going to worship one song, all right? One song, people. One song. You can do it. One song. But let's us worship God. Allow this moment. This isn't just a rehearsal. Allow God to do something right here, 
right now in your heart, in your life. Let Him focus you. Let Him change the atmosphere. If you've got stuff that you've been holding back, offer it up to Him. Look, I'm not even gonna tell you what God will do. I'm not gonna tell you what He won't do. I'm not gonna tell you God's agenda. God's got an agenda. Lean into it. Let's do that. One song, people, you can do it. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.